0: and a $100 discount is available if you register before May 27th. I do hope you can join me. And again, more information is available at deeperchristian.com forward slash turkey. Now, here's the episode. Welcome to episode 254 of the Deeper Christian podcast. This is the podcast to help you study God's word, know Jesus intimately, and discover how you can build your life around Jesus Christ. I'm Nathan Johnson, and in today's episode, I want to talk about why you should use more than one translation in your Bible study. Let's dive in. As a Bible teacher, I often get the question, what is the best Bible translation for Bible study? And here's my simple answer. I would recommend you having... A translation that you will use (laughs) all right I know that it didn't actually answer the question but I think having a Bible translation that you're actually willing to use is far more profitable than having a Bible translation that you never engage with in other words I just want you to be in the word now are there better translations than others well yes and you need to understand that there is a spectrum of Bible translations On one end, we have word-for-word translations, translations that are, to the best of their ability, trying to match the Hebrew, the Aramaic, or the Greek word with an English word. But here's the difficulty. Just like in any translation of one language to another, you can't have a perfect one-for-one translation. Uh, For example, if you've ever taken, say, Spanish or French or one of those kind of languages, you know that the grammar structure of those languages are different than English. For example, in English, we would say, well, the red house. But in, say, Spanish, you would say the house red. And so if you were to translate it directly as, as a one for one, well, then it actually doesn't make any sense in English. So you need to understand from the very beginning that any translation is a translation. That it's not a perfect one for one of the Hebrew or the Greek. That being said, there are translations that are more accurate in the sense of a word-for-word literal translation than others. For example, the King James, the New King James, the New American Standard Bible, the Modern English Version, the English Standard Version, the ESV, the Christian Standard Bible, all those Bibles are attempting to be as accurate as possible while still being readable. On the other end of the spectrum, we typically have what we call a thought for thought translation process. In other words, instead of trying to be, you know, here's a word, I'm gonna translate it into English the best I can, the thought for thought translation process is all right, I'm gonna, here's a general concept of what the Hebrew or the Greek or the Aramaic is saying, and how would we say that to make sense in English? For example, the New Living translation is a great thought for thought translation where it's trying to stay as accurate as possible, but yet it's giving the concept or the thought of the passage, not just an accurate word-for-word translation. And then you have translations everywhere in the middle of that spectrum. Now, one quick note, there are a variety of quote-unquote translations that I wouldn't even call a translation. They are a paraphrase. For example, the Message Bible is not even a translation. It's Eugene Peterson's paraphrase of his interpretation of scripture. And even though there's a lot of churches today who are using the message Bible, quote unquote, as a main translation, his purpose in writing it was not so that it would be a translation as much as helping people begin to engage with the text. So I'm not going to get into some of the uh, frustrations with the message being a translation in our culture today. But just note that just because it has a quote unquote Bible on the cover doesn't necessarily mean it's a a good translation in that sense. With that being said, here's my suggestion. If you're going to be studying the Bible, well, then you need to have a primary Bible translation that you read and study from. And I would encourage you to lean on the word for word Bible translation side In other words, if you want to use a King James, a New King James, English Standard Bible, the New American Standard, the Modern English Version, those kind of Bibles will help you be as accurate as possible to the original language. And I think those are great Bibles to be reading and studying from. So choose one as your primary translation and use that as your primary. But as I mentioned in the title of this episode, there are some great reasons why you should use more than one translation in your Bible study. And that is because just like any language, there are certain nuances to words. For example, if I use the word coach, well, what, what do I mean by that? Well, I could mean, you know, an athletic person who trains a team. I could refer to a stage coach that, you know, is drawn by horses. I could refer to, you know, the part of an airplane that I can, well, not anymore, but I used to be able to afford, you know, not with the gas prices. And there's nuance to that word coach. Well, the same thing is true about Bible languages, that when you look at a particular word, there are nuances and depth to certain words or phrases that different translations will tend to highlight. So when you're doing a Bible study, it's really helpful to have a variety of translations open in front of you, because as you read your passage, it'll kind of clue you in on to some of that depth and understanding It also shows you what you may want to study out even deeper. Let me give you one example. Let's say you were reading Philippians chapter two, verse five, and it says, this is the New American Standard. It says, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus. And you say, okay, well, that makes sense that I'm to have the same attitude as Christ. But if I would open up a variety of translations, it actually shows some of the nuance or depth of that word for example the king james and the new king james says let this mind be in you which was also in Christ jesus the new living says have the same attitude the niv says in your relationships with one another have the same mindset in my understanding an attitude and a mindset is slightly different so what is paul trying to tell those in philippi that am i to have the same mind as christ the same mindset of Christ or the same attitude of Christ? And the answer is yes. (laughs) So if I was reading a variety of translations from Philippians 2.5, this would be a highlighted thing that I would say, oh, well, I probably need to study this out even deeper and figure out, okay, what is the word that Paul is using? And why do certain translations translate it attitude? Some say mind, some say mindset, because obviously there's something going on with this particular Greek word. And if I would dive into it, I'd find that the word itself is phroneo. And it's this idea of, yes, it's your mind and yes, it's your attitude, but it's this idea of your perspective or your orientation of living. It's how you see life and how you see the world and how you respond and action from that. That I'm to have the same perspective and orientation of living that Jesus had. And that is a so much richer understanding of the passage than if I was just holding on to one particular translation. Let me give you another example. You know, 1 Corinthians 13 as the love chapter. And starting in verse 4, down through verse 7, Paul is articulating what love is. So let me just read this in a couple of different translations to show you how sometimes having a variety of translations will help reveal the depth or the meaning of a passage. So here's the King James. Paul writes in 1 Corinthians 13, starting verse four, he says, charity suffereth long and is kind charity envieth not charity vaunteth not itself is not puffed up, does not behave itself unseemly. Seeketh not her own is not easily provoked. Thinketh no evil rejoiceth not in iniquity, but rejoices in the truth, bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Charity never fails. And you could read them and be like, okay, well, that, that makes sense, but let me read it on the other spectrum with the new living. So this is a thought for thought translation. And this is what the new living says in those same verses. Love is patient and kind. Love is not jealous or boastful or proud or rude. It does not demand its own way. It is not irritable and it keeps no record of being wronged. It does not rejoice about injustice but rejoices whenever the truth wins out. Love never gives up, never loses faith, is always hopeful, and endures through every circumstance. Now, you could read that and be like, huh, well, okay, it is saying the same thing, but it's saying it in a much simpler way. Let me give you one other illustration. This is the Amplified. The Amplified, I wouldn't use it as my primary translation, but what I've really appreciated about the translators is that they've put things in brackets And they put some things in italics to help you understand some of the original language. And so I want to read this and and it's going to be hard to do this via audio because you can't see the brackets and the things that they've kind of included to uh, explain a particular word. For example, in verse five, it says, is not conceited. And so in brackets, they put, which means arrogant or inflated with pride. It's not rude, meaning unmannerly. And so it's not, you're not gonna be able to see the the brackets, but let me just read this because again, it it helps flesh out some of this, the depth of what Paul is saying. So the Amplified starting in 1 Corinthians 13, verse four says, love endures long and is patient and kind. Love never is envious nor boils over with jealousy, is not boastful or vainglorious, does not display itself haughtily. It is not conceited, arrogant or inflated with pride. It is not rude, unmannerly, and does not act unbecomingly. Love, God's love in us, does not insist on its own rights or its own way, for it is not self-seeking. It is not touchy or fretful or resentful. It takes no account of evil done to it. In other words, it pays no attention to a suffered wrong. It does not rejoice at injustice and unrighteousness, but rejoices when right and truth prevail. Love bears up under anything and everything that comes is ever ready to believe the best of every person. Its hopes are fadeless under all circumstances, and it endures everything without weakening. As you can see, it begins to help deepen and explain the passage itself. So while I would encourage you to have a primary translation that you would read and study from Can I encourage you that when you do Bible study to open up a variety of translations in front of you and say, okay, is there, what are the similarities and and what are the differences? And let that be a clue or a key for you that helps you say, okay, well, what should I be studying in this passage? And if you notice that there's a term that you don't understand or whether a term that may be interpreted in in a variety of different ways, well, for me, that would be a highlighter mark. On the page saying, all right, seek that out. Try to figure out what is that word really saying? What is that author trying to communicate? Because there's obviously a depth of meaning in that passage. Now, one great way to do this for free is to use a tool like Blue Letter Bible. And if you go to blueletterbible.org, when you type in your passage and click on the tools button next to the passage, there's going to be a tab that says Bibles. And if you click on the tab, it actually opens up a variety of translations. I think there's probably, I don't know, there's probably at least 10 English translations that I'm looking at that you can read from without having to buy a whole bunch of different physical Bibles. So it's a great free resource that will help you do this very thing to use a variety of translations when you study. Now, since I often get asked, what translations do I typically look at when I'm doing my Bible study? Let me just give you the ones I am I often look at. Now, do note, not all of these are easily available like on Blue Letter Bible, but these are the ones that I will typically look at when I'm studying a, a passage. Uh, I I tend to look at the Legacy Standard Bible, which is the new translation based off of the New American Standard 95. Uh, and I've really have been appreciating that translation. I, I mainly use the New American Standard 95. I look at the ESV, the English Standard Bible. Uh, I will often look at the Lexham English Bible, which is the translation that Logos Bible software put together. And it tends to be helpful trying to get at some of the nuance of the Hebrew and the Greek. Um, I will look at the modern English version, which is kind of an updated version of the new King James, which I've really appreciated. I will look at the new living translation, which is that one on the thought thought for thought translation side. I usually look at the amplified Bible and I will look at the net Bible which has a lot of great footnotes of why translators chose particular phrases or what they were wrestling through in their translation choices. So even though I don't necessarily like the net translation as a whole, in terms of how they've translated it, I appreciate the footnotes in it that help you see what the translators were doing behind the scenes. Now, again, regardless of what translations you may look at, I strongly encourage you to use a multitude of Bible translations in your Bible study I really believe it will help deepen and enrich your Bible study. It actually gives you such nuance and depth to the passage without having to know Greek and Hebrew. It just kind of clues you in on some of the depth of particular words and phrases. Well, I hope this has just been an encouragement for you as you pursue Jesus Christ and the depth of his word. Again, we've been just going through a little mini series throughout the summer, looking at some helpful ideas that will deepen your Bible study and help you grow in your spiritual life. Now, for show notes of this episode, including some other helpful links and resources to Bible reading and Bible study, please visit deeperchristian.com forward slash 254 for episode 254. And until next time, when we continue this series, know I'm standing with you, I'm cheering you on, and I'm praying for you as you build your life around Jesus Christ.